After about twenty minutes, Ren and the others transported Nick by bodyboard from the platform to the beach and lifted him into a Honda station wagon, the event's de facto ambulance. It was a ten-minute ride to the Vid Sims Memorial Health Center, a rugged and remote 2,000-square-foot clinic founded by American missionaries and set on a promontory. With water-stained ceiling tiles and rusted air-conditioning vents, Long Island's clinic is equipped to handle general illnesses and trauma common to the island's 3,000 residents. It's not the emergency room you'd hope for in a matter of life and death. By the time Nick arrived there, he had no vital signs, but his friends kept fighting for his life. Ren, Joe, Will, and Dr. Yeshke took turns continuing CPR in the Honda and in the clinic, where they were joined by a local physician, Yvette Carter, who declared him dead at 1.44 p.m. According to AIDA, International Association for the Development of Apnea, the governing body of the sport, that's when Nicholas Mevoli became the first athlete to die in an international free diving competition. Within minutes of his arrival at the clinic, athletes and their families began converging on the hilltop. A tight-knit group in the best of times, most sat on a patch of grass under a young jacaranda tree, the boiling sea visible in the distance. Some joined hands in prayer. Others embraced. A light rain fell. A rainbow bloomed. Wren emerged from the clinic, shirtless, his wetsuit dangling from his waist, and addressed the gathering. We wish Nick luck in his new world, he said, his voice cracking with emotion. He died doing what he loved to do. I know that. It's an extreme sport, Mike said, still mulling Nick's crucial decision at 68 meters. We all make split-second decisions, and sometimes we pay the consequences. But his will to get the job done and win is what made him such a great freediver. It wasn't just his competitive fire that was recalled in the aftermath. Others mentioned how the year before Nick eschewed a hotel or rental house to sleep in the rectory of a local Catholic church. He helped repair the roof of the church's hurricane-damaged bazaar grounds, and ferried some of the island's poor, elderly residents to the bank to cash their pension checks and then on to the shore to buy groceries in the church pickup. He was universally loved, Grant Graves said. That point was underlined at around 3.30 p.m., when, after most of the competitors had filtered back toward their respective rental homes, Junko led a Japanese contingent to the clinic's doorstep, flowers in hand. They asked to see Nick and pay their respects one last time. Ten people visited his remains, wrapped tightly in a pristine white sheet, his hands rested in prayer. One by one, his fellow divers took turns whispering in his ear, sprinkling white blossoms on his heart, and softly sobbing into one another's arms. In the days after his death, Nick Mavoli's story went viral and a niche sports tragedy became front-page news all over the world, sparking a public debate. Readers wondered why freedivers bothered to do it at all.
What could possibly be the draw to a sport where athletes plummet to the very edge and risk so much to achieve records in relative obscurity? What Nick's critics couldn't grasp is that it isn't external glory these divers are after. The dive itself is the glory. I really enjoy going on this journey where other people can't go, Mike said. The feeling of being deep underwater, somewhere you're not meant to be, and feeling this sort of mastery over your body and your mind, and it being so peaceful. It's a real achievement.